The default approach shouldn't be lawyer against lawyer winner take all. The standard approach should be the lawyers against the problem. Welcome to a different practice. I'm your host, Lauren Lester, and I'm obsessed with all things business, well-being, and optimizing the practice of law for solo and small firm lawyers. I started my solo practice right out of law school, built it from the ground up, and now work four days a week while earning well over six figures. I'm here to share tangible, concrete tips and resources for ditching the legal profession's antiquated approach and building a law practice that optimizes growth and enjoyment. Think of this as grabbing coffee with your work bestie, mixed with all the stuff they didn't teach you in law school about how to run a business. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to be encouraged and challenged. This is a different practice. Oftentimes, law school gives us our first real taste of the law. Not the law of TV dramas or best-selling novels, but the law of stare decisis and nuanced technical arguments drawn out of page after page of court opinions. In my experience, there's several things law schools do well. First and most notably, they teach us to be students of the law. They teach us how to read an opinion, draw out the rules, and use it to apply to a new set of facts. Law schools also connect us with soon-to-be colleagues and potential employers so we can begin to build our professional network. They provide a safe space to practice skills like legal writing, remember IRAC? legal analysis, and argumentation so that we can start to stretch those legs when there isn't a real case on the line. And of course, they teach us to think like a lawyer. I enjoyed law school. I liked the academic exercises and brain acrobatics. I remember when the rule against perpetuities finally clicked for me, it felt like I had landed the triple-double a la the Queen Simone Biles in the gymnastic exercise of legal theories. Long-arm statutes still elude me. As much as I enjoyed law school, leaving the confines of the classroom and stepping out into the real world left me feeling a bit unprepared. There were lessons I had to learn in real time because they were either not taught in law school or the approach was really limited. Maybe you feel the same way and I'm curious to hear your thoughts about what you didn't learn in law school and wish you did. Here are mine. First, I didn't learn how to actually practice law. I know this might sound counterintuitive, but like I said, law school taught me how to be an excellent student of the law, but not a practitioner of it. When that license was handed to me representing my qualification to practice law, I felt like I had no idea what I was doing. I was supposed to actually represent a client now and advocate for them and make arguments in court in front of an actual judge when the stakes are real. I had to learn a lot of those true lawyering skills on the fly in midair. I know many law schools offer moot court competitions and clinics to expose students to real-life lawyering, but not everyone can participate in those. Those advocacy, creativity, and problem-solving skills shouldn't be accessible to just a select few. They should be a part of the core curriculum, just like the wonderful rule against perpetuities. I mean, which skill do you use more often? Because of how law school is structured, we're taught only how to be combative instead of cooperative to solve problems. This is a direct result of the competitive nature of law schools. It's a constant subtext from day one. We compete against each other for grades and class rank. It's every man for himself. But in many practice areas, there are generally two reasonable sides in a case. 
Each party has a valid interest. It's not black and white with a clear winner. We're dealing with humans here. There's a lot of gray. I know in my family and estate cases, the parties are aiming at the same goal, most often to reach an outcome that's fair. If we're talking about something like custody, of course everyone has their own opinion of what's fair and how best to parent. But it's not a case where one party is absolutely right, and so the entire purpose is to destroy the other side. I feel like my job is to understand what's important to my client, advocate for it, but not get attached to one version of a solution. Since there's another perspective that needs to be accounted for, I can better represent my client when I consider the other side's point of view and find a solution that incorporates it while still meeting my client's needs. The law gives us the structure and often guidelines, but the solution to the problem before these particular parties isn't one that's one-sided, at least not if we're trying to create long-term solutions. Let me give you an example. So two people are looking to get married. They want to write their own rules and have a marital agreement in place that protects their interests. One party's priority is to not pay alimony. For whatever reason, maybe it's their prior experience, family of origin, or just values around money. Whatever it is, it's a value to them that an ex-spouse be financially independent. The other party's priority is feeling financially secure should the marriage end. And based on their experience and history, they believe alimony is the best way to achieve that. On its face, it might look like these two folks are at an impasse. And when you have lawyers working who take the position that the only objective is to beat the other side and take everything for your client, the situation turns into a bitter, nasty mess when it doesn't have to be. Alternatively, if both lawyers say, okay, we've got two people here that want a solution that meets their needs. How can we do that? things look a lot different. That change in perspective allows space to be creative while still advocating for each client. In this case, when the lawyers work together to figure out a solution, they realize that both parties are really just working against the same problem. They want financial independence and security. When the focus isn't me versus you, the lawyers can suggest that instead of using alimony as the mechanism for the support, the parties could maybe consider what financial independence actually means to them and build a solution around that. Is there a specific number they have in mind? Does it mean holding on to a particular type of asset? Is it about not having debt? When the lawyers stop and dig into the issue more, they can use the party's definition to create a solution that, say, uses the allocation of property and debts to meet their needs. The default approach shouldn't be lawyer against lawyer winner take all. The standard approach should be the lawyers against the problem. I wish law schools would do more to encourage cooperation and teamwork instead of creating a culture of every man for himself. At least in my experience, the real world doesn't and shouldn't work that way. Another thing I wish I learned in law school was how to run a business. Despite some lawyers thinking otherwise, the law is a profession and a business. I was fortunate to have a leg up here because I came into law school with several years of experience in a business setting, but that's the exception, not the rule. Whether a law student goes on to work for a firm or to start their own, having basic business skills is a necessity. Lawyers need to understand business development, building client relationships, revenue generation, and basic business finances. This is a no-brainer when we're talking about solo, sure, but I would guess that law firm employers would also agree that having associates who understand the basics of business contributes to the firm's overall success. 
Why not equip law students with some basic business knowledge instead of requiring that they take yet another elective that they will never actually use in practice? Sorry, admin law. Shifting focus from the gap in coursework to the unspoken lessons I learned, I wish law school had taught me that the practice of law doesn't have to be one size fits all. This is something I had to learn on my own after years of trying to fit into a persona that I wasn't. I don't know about you, but my experience was that I was only presented with a few career paths in law school. There was big law, public interest, and government. That was it. I don't think I ever heard from someone not in one of those spaces. Even my professors all came from those backgrounds. Now, there isn't anything wrong with any of those career paths. For some people, they are a great fit, and we need fantastic lawyers in all of them. They just weren't a great fit for me, and considering that somewhere between 30 to 40% of law firms are likely solo and small firms, it sounds like it might not be a good fit for a lot of us. I wanted to be a solo practitioner when I came into law school, and that wasn't because I couldn't get a job elsewhere. It was because that was my version of success. But I never met anyone in law school that was a solo. I wanted my professional life to integrate with my personal and family life, but no one ever talked about that even being an option. I wanted to explore how technology could better deliver legal services and give more people access, all while making a profit for my business, but no one talked about innovation or access to justice beyond pro bono work. Representation matters, and law students deserve to see more possibilities, because when there are only a limited number of career options presented, it is not only a limited representation, but it creates an unspoken understanding that if you don't go into one of those big three, you're somehow not a real lawyer. Instead of our career choices being seen as a personal decision for us as an individual, it gets categorized as good or bad because it fits in or it doesn't. Having been in practice for several years now, I see there are amazing professionals in our field doing incredible work in things like tech and consulting and research. There are members of the judiciary that are working towards a better, fairer system. There are many ways someone with a JD or a law license can show up in the profession and in their communities and make a positive impact. These professionals should be celebrated, not marginalized. Unfortunately, law schools seem stuck on the assembly line of producing homogenous lawyers that fit a certain mold. If I didn't have a background in business and wasn't committed to owning my own law firm from the beginning, I would have gotten right in line. And I think that's a trap that many lawyers fall into because what other options do we have? When that's all we're shown, we think, I guess this is the path I take. And when we try to fit ourselves into a mold or into a job that doesn't fit us, it doesn't serve anyone, not the clients, not the profession, and certainly not ourselves. In many ways, we need more diversity in this profession. And an easy way for law schools to start doing that is by promoting different career paths. Along this same line of creating a one-size-fits-all persona of a lawyer, law school also only taught me there was one definition of success, which was something along the lines of graduate, pass the bar, join a firm, work a ridiculous number of hours, spend your life at the office, win all your cases at any cost, make partner, and retire. The thing about success, though, is that it's subjective. It's personal to each of us, and it changes throughout our lives. So while that might have been the objectives for some of my colleagues, it wasn't mine. But that didn't mean that I would be any less successful. In trying to figure out how we should show up in the profession, and if we're doing a good job, it's natural to look around and see what everyone else is doing. And when all signs seem to point in one direction, we assume that's the right answer. 
And yet when we chase something that doesn't give us what we really want, is it really success when we catch it? It took me a few years to quiet that outside noise and define success for myself. Today, success for me within my firm is never having to ask permission for how I spend my time, not from colleagues, not from clients. I'll hit my benchmarks and make sure my clients are taken care of, but it won't be by sitting at my desk from eight to five. That's success for me today. And a year from now, it might be totally different. I wish there was a focus or at the very least, just more examples in law school of different definitions of success so that I felt empowered as a student to choose for myself rather than waste years chasing someone else's dream. Lastly, law school didn't teach me that I could do well and be well. When the path to success is working 90 hours a week and dedicating everything to the firm, there isn't much room for well-being. The unspoken message was almost, if you want to be well and take care of yourself, you just won't be successful here. You have to make a choice. It's one or the other. Maybe that was the way I internalized it, but because well-being wasn't talked about in law school, I filled in that narrative for myself. And because no one talked about it, I also thought that everyone else had just figured it out. They figured out how to be a lawyer that didn't prioritize well-being, but somehow still looked healthy. But then I heard the statistics. Lawyers are three times more likely to suffer from depression than the average population. We're significantly more likely to engage in substance abuse. We're more likely to commit suicide. In fact, one in four of us has had suicidal ideations in the past. One in four. Becoming this unhealthy doesn't all of a sudden happen when we get our license and start practicing. It starts in law school. And yet while I was in law school, no one talked about the negative effects of stress and how we can better take care of ourselves given the demands of our job. It was almost a given that sacrificing our health was a necessary step on the road to quote unquote success. If we aren't well, if we don't make our health a priority, how do we put all of our training and experience to good use? What's the point of doing all the hard work of graduating law school, passing the bar and getting our license if it's just making us sick? There's a lot of work to be done within the profession when it comes to well-being, but the foundation should begin in law school. Like I said, law schools do a lot very well, and I wouldn't trade my experience for anything. With that, though, there's definitely room for improvement. Incorporating more real-world curriculum and practice would better prepare us for lawyering out in the actual real world. That's why one of my goals for this podcast is not only to talk about all the things we didn't learn in law school, but to amplify different voices in the profession, to share their stories and show that we all belong, that being a lawyer is not one size fits all, and that we owe it to ourselves and each other to take care of our health and well-being. Thanks for listening. Until next time. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of A Different Practice. For more from this episode, head over to adifferentpractice.com slash podcast for show notes and links to resources. If you found this episode helpful, let me know by leaving a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you're looking for even more practical tools to optimize your law practice for growth and enjoyment, be sure to sign up for our monthly newsletter. The link is waiting for you at a differentpractice.com slash subscribe. I can't wait for you to tune in next time. Until then, keep building a different practice.